Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Skip Weissman, who is a former professional baseball executive who since 2002 has been working with small businesses with 6 to 60 employees to create championship cultures and work environments. He works with the small business owner in virtually every industry from hometown banks and credit unions to independent insurance agencies, small manufacturers, food distributors, and even plumbers. Skip focuses on improving communications in the work environment, which is very often a primary cause of problems challenges and frustrations, and issues getting in the way of a more positive, more productive, and more profitable company. And his new book is just published, and it's called A New Standard for Workplace Communication, Overcoming the Seven Deadliest Communication Sins. So welcome, Skip. Thanks for having me, Linda. Okay, so being a lifelong baseball fan, I have got to ask you, first of all, how did you go from being a baseball executive to a small business coach? Well, the interesting thing that people don't understand is that even though I was in the baseball industry leading you know, a professional baseball franchise, basically what I did was lead a small business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, was, I wasn't in the major leagues, and I think you were a Giants fan, is that right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So I'm a, Met, I'm a Mets fan. And uh, so I wasn't at the big league level. I was in the minor leagues, and you know, if, if any of your listeners are in a you know, small community that has a minor league baseball team representing it, that's just like any other small business in the community, except it just has a very unique uh, environment, right, in, in industry. So, the, you know, my staff that I, that I was leading as CEO of the company was anywhere from probably 8 to 15 full-time employees and uh, you know, maybe up, upwards of 100 during the, during the season part-time. So um, the, the shift was not that big a uh, transition because – I was dealing with the same issues that my current you know, small business clients are dealing with a small business work environment and getting the most out of our people. So that's that's sort of the the, the transition I made. Um, during my final years in baseball, we moved our franchise, did one of those leverage things on a community, and, and yep. moved to a new community that built us a brand new stadium. I never had baseball before. It was all location, location, location. Yep. Uh, we had uh, we're about stadiums about 65 miles north of Yankee Stadium mm-hmm. uh, in uh, in the Hudson Valley region of New York, and people were just uh, really uh, excited to have a local team to call their own, regardless of who our affiliation was, because we couldn't get a Mets or Yankees affiliation, so we affiliated with first the Texas Rangers and then the uh, um, Tampa Bay Rays, um, but they just they couldn't get enough of us yeah. in those early years. And so we moved the franchise here and everybody would come up to me and they'd say, boy, you've been so successful here. When are you, when are you going up to the next <laughs> level? Uh, and when are you going to go run the Mets or Yankees? And yeah. I said, you know, um, this is this is where I'm going to stay. This is where I like being. But if I make a move, it's going to be out of baseball. And they couldn't believe it. They said, hey, well, you've, you've got the greatest job in the world. And I said, you know, I, I, I absolutely do. For a baseball fan, it's the greatest job in the world. But I honestly was getting uh, sort of tired and, and burnt out on the baseball lifestyle mm-hmm. of, of spending, uh, you know, 12, 14-hour days at the ballpark for, you know, for six months of the year. And 
Uh, you know, as I got older, it wasn't as much fun living at the ballpark uh, as it was when Too I was 25. Too many hot dogs, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I just looked for something else to do uh, and uh, realized that, you know, I was pretty good building teams in a small business environment and figured, well, maybe I can help others uh, with the lessons I've learned. And that's, what, that's when I decided to make the move after 20 years because, you know, you know, 20 years is a nice round number to go off on. Um, and uh, so that's why I, I, it was a strategic move. I gave myself about two and a half years to make the move when I realized it was time to move on. Wow. Do you still have any any contact with the baseball world, or, or did you kind of say that's it? I'm basically just a fan on the just periphery, a <laughs> I'm, and uh, you know I'll go to a couple of our local team games. You know, yep. that, uh, that the the person who took over for me. Uh, was my assistant, and we promoted him to be the president and CEO. And he left for a couple of years, and then the ownership just brought him back last year. So I go, I go to the local games a couple of times a year, and I'll go to a Mets game every now and then. Yep. Oh, that's cool. I grew up a Mets fan, so that's okay. Yep, Mets and then Giants. So uh, you've moved to small business, and I, I think you mentioned something about team, which obviously we know in baseball it's a team sport. Nobody wins the you know, a game by their individual performance. It's a team sport. But we have that in, in business as well. And yep. communications um, seems to be kind of at the heart of a lot of both successes and failures and frustration, right? So um, how, how do you kind of um, uh, focus on that communication piece? You say it's, it's, it's really the key to what's going on. Well, you might have seen this in the work that you do when you talk to your clients and you go into those work environments and you ask people, you know, what are some things that can be improved around here? And I would venture to guess communication always comes in at top one, two, or three in every situation. Um, And so people know, I think, that there can always be better communication in an organization, and they feel it, uh, you know, in their day-to-day activities. Um, So that that concept's not really, uh, I think, too hard to get people to buy into. Um, what is, though, is is the how, because mm-hmm. we just, you know, communication just seems to be this this big umbrella or this rug where every issue gets swept under, and so we label this communication and we think it's going to get better because we've labeled it, right? And we've named the problem. Um, the the challenge is it's way too broad of a subject. Yep. Uh, what does it really mean? Um, but because it's so broad of a subject and because there may be some uh, relationship issues or you know some things that we're not so comfortable with talking about because of whatever's going on in the work environment or whatever those relationships are, uh, we don't do anything about it. We just label it and say that's yeah, a communication problem. We put it on the flip chart. And then whatever comes up, we just – goes into a black hole because we don't really want to deal with it because it's too difficult. Um, and so that's sort of where I come in to, to help people set a new standard and, and start talking about, well, you know, what, what are the costs of this communication uh, issue that, uh, that you're facing? Uh, and can we really – let's talk about what it really is so it's, so it's not this big nebulous monster that we can't get our hands around. Let's let's define it. And um, I think you know we have a mutual friend and colleague in Ann Latham who is the clarity mm-hmm. expert, right? Yep. Um, and you know, and she's all about gaining clarity. And so I, I sort of take a similar approach. But you know, until we gain clarity on what the what the communication issue is, it, it's almost impossible to do anything with. And so uh, people seem to find it pretty refreshing. Uh, 
to to at least be able to narrow the, the choices down and they you know they get clarity around it so so we know what we're working with um and they can start chipping away and that makes sense yeah so i mean we we put everything into this bucket called communication and there it lays so nothing happens right so um so you talked about raising the standard uh and I guess maybe you can talk a little bit more about that. You raise the standard. What does that mean, and, um, and and how does that change communication? How does that improve communication? Well, it's, you know, it sort of goes back to the last thing I said as, as a start. You know, um, people in work environments, whether you're the CEO or the owner of the company or, you know, your frontline receptionist or you know, frontline manager, whatever, uh, because of this issue around communication and never going anywhere, um, we sort of have these Groundhog Day conversations, uh, Groundhog Day meetings, right? Where people talk about the same stuff uh, week after week in the same meetings. Um, it seems like everybody in the work environment is tolerating a lot of the impact of this communication stuff. Um, and so we just sort of go, we go along to go along and, uh, you know, as I think my my, my father-in-law used to say, you know, if you if you hang long enough, you get used to hanging, right? Um, <laughs> True. And, yeah. You know, and you just get get used to it. It's the old, it's the old what's what's the metaphor of boiling a frog, right? You just kind of right. keep gradually turning up the heat, and he he, he boils to death. So uh, it's a lot of that stuff. We just we just tolerate a lot of stuff in the work environment um, that really doesn't need to be tolerated and 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 shouldn't be and. Uh, as you know, things all start at the top, and and so I asked my clients, the, the business owner, the CEO, to to if you were to raise a standard for what you expect for communication around here, what are some of the things you would you would expect people to step up and step into, um, and what difference would it make? So, you know, I, I really often talk to people about what are those things that you're tolerating, mm-hmm. uh, what's the impact, uh, and can you quantify that impact? Uh, in terms of productivity, wasted wasted hours, and convert that to dollars and cents, and then you start calculating the real uh, hard cost of what people, you know, label as a soft skill. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and so that's that's sort of what I'm talking about. Just I want people to stop tolerating things that are really intolerable, but we just get used to it. It's comfortable. It's that whole comfort zone thing. Yep. It's the way it's always been. Um, it's amazing to me, and I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, one of the biggest complaints I get from my my prospective clients and clients is, you know, people are just so resistant to change. Oh yeah. Right? And it's it could be the easiest, simplest thing, but boy, you know, we've done this. This way We've for always done it this way. Now. Yep. Let's not let's uh, not rock the boat. Yep. So and we and we just accept it, right? Or we get so frustrated with them, we fire the person, and it, it doesn't have right. to be that way. <laughs> you know, there's ways to to frame your language and bring people on board. Um, but again, it goes back to the the point where we're just we're tolerating stuff we don't have to because we really don't know how to approach it any other way. And so we either accept it or we just try to ram things through and that doesn't uh, you know, make people happy either. So sure, uh, I just it. want people to, to, to raise the standard, expect more from each other and ourselves. Um, and I think when you do that, I think people will step up when you do it the right way. So you've identified seven mistakes that you see that people make in, in communications. Can you give us an overview of what they are and, and quickly tell us, you know, how they cause these problems in a work environment? Yeah, sure. Um, so all of these are things, obviously, they're they're not 
good to have in an environment. Um, and so I frame them in the, the language of a lack of. So these things are not happening or they're not uh-huh. happening in, uh, enough to uh, at the level they should be. So it starts at the top. And I've actually just recently with the book, when you, know, when you, when you start writing your book and you do some more deep thinking and, about your concepts and all, I've actually ended up taking these seven and, and chunking them into two categories. So I call the first three the three primary communication sins, and then there's four secondary. Mm-hmm. And the three primary are uh, primary because they have a, a more global impact on the entire work environment. Yep. Um, and, and, and so the, the first three are, one is a lack of specificity, mm-hmm. uh, which means we're just not speaking about the details that we need to, and people make assumptions, and we need to do mind reading, right? You know, I, ask, I always tell my, ask my audiences, you know, have, have you ever walked away from a conversation scratching your head and say, boy, man, you know, Linda thinks I'm a mind reader. <laughs> uh, and and it always gets to laugh because we've all had those conversations. Yep. Uh, but we too often either are nonspecific in our language because, well, we we just assume that the other person knows or it's so familiar with to us that we just don't even think about the details. Um, or it's just it's just lazy communication habits, right? We just we're too busy and we fire off something and, and we move on, but it causes us to uh, to really create things that uh, put other people in, in difficult situations, including ourselves. So, and it's number one because it's it, this is an epidemic, and uh, if we were uh, just to improve specificity, you can increase your productivity by 50% overnight. Uh, just gaining clarity on stuff um, around that. So, um, so that's number one. And, and the reason why I call the three primary up here is that they all impact performance and performance management and getting people to step up to, uh, to have them perform the way we need them to do and behave in the work environment as we need them. So, again, what I find is that a lack of specificity, oftentimes when mm-hmm. you're dealing with performance management, uh, expectations for performance goals, measurements, um, and behaviors are not really clear, and that's on the front end. And so the person doesn't really know what to expect, um, but they know we've. I know that they violated my expectations, but they don't know it. <laughs> right <laughs> on the front end. So the second one is what I call a lack of immediacy, urgency, and promptness. And you know, if I had a dime for every audience member or client that said, "Boy, I just wish my people had a greater sense of urgency," <laughs> um, I'm always trying to you know, light a fire under them or push them or whatever um, to follow through. So you know, lack of immediacy, urgency, and promptness is often just procrastination. We, yep. have, um, we have conversations we need to have with people. We need to follow up with people on certain things, items, and it just we just don't do it as urgently as, uh, or prompt as, as we need to. Um, we're procrastinating on having that co- difficult conversation right. with, with, with people, and we put those off. So I call this communication procrastination, basically. Yep. Um, and this gets exacerbated by the fact that we weren't specific on the front end of the conversation, and especially around performance management, and we know it. And we don't have any foundation or standing, so I don't really feel feel good about saying anything because I know it was my fault, and I just let it go. Um, and then that impacts communications in number three, which is a lack of directness and candor. <laughs> because if I don't have the foundation of the standing on the front end of the conversation where I'm setting those expectations at the beginning, I have no foundation to be direct and candid about what I didn't 
tell them they, they should be doing on the on the back end, right? Right. Um, and it creates this this insidious cycle of communication, which I call the poor performance perpetuation spiral. Right. I, lo- I love alliteration. Uh, and so these three things are in a, what I call this downward perpetuation of poor performance spiral because uh, we're not specific on the front end, and uh, we can't be direct and candid with them because of that. And so we we procrastinate on the conversation, and it just goes down and down and down. Got it. And and I think you can see how if we have that dynamic across a workplace, it has a huge impact on on the entire environment. Um, so those are the three primary for that reason. And then the four secondary uh, are more individual one-on-one between two people or, or different individuals. So number four is a lack of respectful rebuttals. Uh-huh. And this is uh, you know, using those great, uh, great responses to somebody in a conversation letting open that that was a great idea, but. Right? Yep. Or um, you did a really great job, but, right? And we all know that. Uh, after the but uh, comes the real truth, <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the first half of that statement is, is taken as very disingenuous, and people stop listening after that. Um, and so, I teach people uh, in my seminars and workshops, and also in um, you know in the book, people can read about some activities to uh, use different language in those situations, so you don't butt people and they feel uh, that you're genuine when you're talking uh, with them and giving them feedback or, or having a debate. Uh, you know, on a topic where there's uh, a couple of different opinions. So you know, that's something that can really uh, either uh, negatively impact the, the conversation, people will shut down, stop listening, or if you do it the right way, can keep the conversation going. And uh, I, for better or worse, about five years ago, I actually worked out with an improv troupe in my area, uh-huh. <laughs> um, which is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, but it really helped me engage with my audiences when I'm speaking uh, to be in, you know, more in the moment and improvisational. But the, you know, the whole the whole concept of improv is to is to build on the ideas that people bring to you, and you and, and the language is yes and right, and you build on that. Um, and that's sort of what you, what I try and teach people is to overcome this the communication sin, which is a lack of respectful rebuttals. Um, Number five is a lack of desirable behaviors, mm-hmm. and this is focusing on what we uh, want people to stop doing or not to do anymore. And yep. you know, we tell people don't do these things, but we're we're not giving them the alternative. We're just you know don't do that, stop doing this. Um, and so again, we're focusing on what we don't want instead of what we do want, which is another epidemic that uh, most people communicate with. Uh, number six is a lack of appropriate tone and body language, mm. uh, and these are. Um, you know, just the little <laughs> inflections or or facial yep. movements. Uh, uh, it's, it's pretty funny. Whenever I I ask my audiences in my keynotes and seminars on this, so, so give me an example of what you know inappropriate tone and body language would be. And invariably, the first words out of people's mouths is eye rolling. <laughs> right. Sure. Um, and then I start a just a chain reaction of people sharing all this stuff. Um, Folding your arms and uh, sighing and all, you know, so there's like a half dozen or eight or ten of different little body flinches within a conversation that, that send a message that are not uh, not appropriate and not not building the conversation. And then then you just have the tone, which often comes uh, you know comes in the way of sarcasm and and various things. And 
you know, at the at the real egregious level, it, it, it's yelling, right? And, yep. and, uh, and people screaming at people. But in there's, the there's some passive-aggressive stuff that's just as bad, I think. Yeah, right, yeah. And, and yeah. Thanks for bringing that up because passive aggressive always comes up in those conversations, and right. um, and 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 that that also fits into the lack of directness and candor, right? Because we're we're not uh, we're we're sort of being subversive <laughs> with yep. our passive aggressive behavior. So yeah, that fits in a couple of different categories, and it, it's a big one. I actually did a little uh, ten minute video on how to help organizations get through uh, passive aggressive <laughs> behavior in the work environment. It, it's a biggie. Um, and then, so that's number six. And then seven is lack of focused attention, and that's another epidemic in our world, right? Because of the, the technology, the smartphones, uh, just distracting us. And, and in that situation, I say there's three things that really cause us to lose focused attention. One is the technology. The second one is just people. We have yep. people interruptions, the drive-bys, the people that. Um, yep. Uh, just hover in your doorway <laughs> waiting right. for you to pick your head up. Um, and then our own minds, right? We have so much going on in our life. We have deadlines. We have to pick up the kids at school, whatever it is. I may be face-to-face with you in a conversation and physically look like I'm engaged and eye contact's great and everything, but, you know, I see your mouth moving, but I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> yeah, right? because I'm, I'm somewhere face- else. I'm 100 miles away, yeah. Right. You or my head in my in my phone or my email or something of that nature. Yep, absolutely. And so think about these seven things uh, and how they impact um, relationships and environments uh, and and people. And the more people you have (laughs) engaging in these type of behaviors, which are pretty common across the board, um, that's why you really have uh, some of the negative work environments that you have. And people don't even realize it. You know, in yeah. tolerating these things. We're tolerating these things. So let me ask you, because this is fascinating. We can go on for a long time. But one last question. When a business leader commits to this higher standard of communication and sets the expectation, what differences do you see in their business? Well, it's uh, the, 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 real, the real key here is you raise your standard and you get people to communicate just a little bit differently. And like I, I share with people, say just increase specificity. If you do that, you'll increase productivity uh, by 50% almost overnight. Mm-hmm. And so w- what happens is you start getting, again, g- greater greater clarity in your organization, yep. and that will lead to higher levels of credibility and trust between people. And once you build that, then you will build greater responsiveness yep. because people will now be responding, getting things done quicker. The lack of immediacy, urgency, and promptness will start uh, chipping away and getting better. And once you can have consistent responsiveness between people, um, and not just between coworkers or colleagues and direct reports, but also customers too, right? Mm-hmm. Greater responsiveness there is what you're looking for. That reinforces the greater credibility and trust, and that leads to a high respect environment. And people talk about high high trust environments, but I think there's a higher level um, to the workplace, and it's about respect, and that's that's really what all of us want. It's on everybody's core values for a company, yet we don't know how to get it. And the way we get it is by being really diligent about specificity that leads to clarity, that leads to greater responsiveness, that leads to greater respect. And once you do that, that leads to greater positivity in the work environment. The positivity leads to greater productivity. And greater productivity obviously leads to greater profitability. Um, Got it. And so, positivity, so productivity, profitability. There you go. 
Yep. My, Excellent. My alliteration. Well, absolutely. Great. So we've been talking with Skip Weissman. Skip is the author of the new book, A New Standard for Workplace Communication, Overcoming the Seven Deadliest Communication Sins. Skip, if people wanted to find out more about you and your book, where would they go? Uh, well, the website for the book specifically is www.7deadliestcommunicationsins.com. Is that spelled and, uh, out seven or is it the number seven? You can either one will work. I make okay. sure I got both of those URLs because you never know. <laughs> yep. So de- seven deadliest communicationsins.com. Okay. All right. We've been here again with Skip. He's a former professional baseball executive who now helps uh, small businesses to become more productive and to communicate more effectively. Thank you, Skip, for being here with us. Well, thank you for having me. It's great reconnecting with you finally. It's been a long time, so thanks so much okay. for, uh, for your time. Fantastic. Thank you. This is Linda Popke. Until next time, thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.leverage2market.com.